Hey everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about Saint's Blood, the third book in the Great Coat series by Sebastian de Castell. So let's have valor with the magic of books. Now, first off, I love, I thought this book was great. I thought the beginning was a little bit uh, slower for a Great Coats book, but by the end, it was full force. And I just love everything that these books are are like putting out into the world maybe not everything but i love the sense of valor and that you get from these books especially this one it really really talks about it a lot and i thought that was really good you know i really whenever i'm reading these books i really do feel like i am in the world of tristia which is the the world or the country they're in right and i think it's it's such a good way of doing it i really liked that in this book there is obviously a lot of talk about fencing of course there always is but i like that he is going through the different styles of fencing and he brings up a style of fencing and then you kind of see how it plays through in that uh, section of chapters then we get another style of fencing and it plays through in the next one so i thought that was a really a really fun thing to do because he's talked a lot about fencing in the first two books already and so to get just more general fencing is not going to be as exciting to the readers, to readers, and doing this keeps it fresh, but not a hundred percent like this is just all it is, is more fencing in your face. So I like that. I thought his writing, of course, it's always been good. He has always, as always, has great one-liners sprinkled throughout. I didn't feel like there was any dip in quality, so I really enjoyed that. I thought the plot was it was different. I definitely did not expect this plot. I mean, I kind of did a little bit because uh, obviously the name Saint's Blood implies it's something to do with saints, but the where Sebastian took this, I was not expecting, and I'm glad. And I was really glad that we got to learn more about the saints in general, uh, their abilities, their skills, their, you know, the way things work. So I thought that was great. And I did. I literally had a hard time putting this book down after I got to the 50% mark, maybe the 45 to 40 to 45% mark. It was a page turner. I You had to know what happens next because as he does, he just ramps up the tension and keep you just keep going. So I'm sorry. I think we're just going to have to get into some spoilers. I don't have much else to say in a non-spoilery way, but let's start in our spoiler section with our characters. Falcio, he's a great character as always. He's the leader. He's so, he attempts to be so valorous. He's always looking to help people to make things right. I was glad that in this book, you know, he is starting to do the things a little differently. He's starting to try and get into the politics a little bit. Not, not really, but just realize, you know, I need to do better than just be a great cloak, be a great coat and duel everybody I see or you know, be the law, which he is still, but like he has to be more. And I like that he started to uh, kind of let go of Aline. I'm not sure if he'll actually be able to let her go 100%, but I think, I think he will. And I loved, oh, we got to talk about Athalia. She becomes the new saint of mercy because Brigitte's dead, because somebody's out there killing all the saints. Very crazy, I know, but like, I love their relationship that they, they were together she gets the powers and she can't be him because she, mercy and violence don't generally mix. But then we learn that mercy is not just like sparing people, but it's mercy. It's a mercy to save someone and to use that violence for good sometimes. 
And so I love their they're opposing this and they're like, I want to be with you, but I can't. And then they break up and then they get together. And at the end, they're like, hey, let's have let's just try and talk and let's just be friends and let's get, you know, like taking it slow, which is great. I loved it. It was the best. You know, I just loved seeing that while we're talking about the end. I I did cry a little bit at this book at the very end with Duke Gillard and uh, Falcio because Tomar, Duke Gillard's son, has died in the fight and Duke Gillard said, Falcio, you're I'm gonna kill you and make you suffer if this happens and they agree and he's like, I'm gonna you're gonna come to me, you're gonna take away your weapons, you're gonna be in my jail and you're like, Oh man, he's just gonna still be all angry, I wanna kill you and then Duke Gillard turns it on him and is like, and I'm gonna tell you about my son. I'm gonna tell you all the things I loved about him, all the things he did. You know, I'm gonna make you suffer as much as I'm suffering for his loss. And then he's like, and then I'm going to talk, turn to you and you're going to tell me all about the great coats and their ideals and why my son wanted to do this. And, you know, I'm going to try and emulate that and be the man that my son thought I could be or that I, I, he wanted me to be. And I was like, oh, just as a, especially as like a new parent, I'm just like, I'm crying. I can't stand this. This is so nice. Like we see his character grow the whole time, even though he, Duke Gillard, even though he is against the Aline in principle he helps them so much he's like look at this let me smooth this over with you here let me teach you this other thing right here like how he does so much for them and you know he loses his son for it but it's a sign that he has turned and he is agreeing with them more and more so that was amazing tomar was a great character too just his outright refusal to let his sister Valiana, who's not really his sister, you know, to protect her, to defend her, to be a good kid, wearing a great coat, a fake great coat, because he wants to be like them so much. Oh, so good. And then his death prompts the the birth of a new god, the god of valor, which so cool. Like, obviously, the gods are going to just, if they were formed once, they can be formed again. So, you know, the blacksmith plan is not like the best, but it is because if you have a an overpowering god, then no other gods can really rise up and take that place. But well, let's talk about the blacksmith for a minute. That was interesting. We learned a whole other thing. We got the the Bardetti and the Trattori, and now we have the unrecognized, like these people who have had something devastating happen to them, and they kind of like crack. And because of that, they can see far, like they can predict things. They get really smart. I don't understand it exactly, but basically, the tailor but the blacksmith, and he creates the one who creates the iron masks that block the saint's abilities. And it's just like, man, like, I'm sorry you had such a horrible thing happen to you, but to, like, to go this far, you should have, you mean, he's, like, the exact opposite of doing the right for everyone just because he's given into his base instincts. I'm going to make everybody suffer like I did, and I'm going to change it so nobody suffers like I did. Well, everybody's going to suffer differently just because... You know, they're not going to have this or your God's going to have power. But will you use your God's power for good? I don't think so. So Blacksmith was a great character. The only thing I am a little tired of is that I really wish the villains weren't always 16 to 20 steps ahead of our heroes. That our heroes are playing catch up the entire time. I'm fine with the heroes being behind. And I'm fine with the heroes needing to figure things out. But not where... They figure one thing out, and it leads to this, and it leads to that, and it leads to this, and then they finally get to the end. Or, like, it would be nice to know who their, their opponent was from the beginning. You know, is this Trent? Is this this? Who is this? Is it the church? 
who is, you know, calling these shots. So I'm hopeful for the next book that we just get, uh, it doesn't have to be a simple villain, but they can't, overwhelming power is better than just not knowing who your villain is or and such. So that's fine. Aline, she is so cool. She, you know, moves forward with her fear. She fakes it till she makes it, which I thought was just great. You know, she, the God comes to them and is like, bow down. And she's like, she does. And then she gets back up and she's like, no, I am not going to be afraid of you. And she starts singing the laws and they start to uh, bind the God and weaken him. And then the great coats, you know, rush in to protect her as they can, as they're able to break free. It was just impressive. I loved it. Talking about the great coats, we got to talk about Kest. Oh, poor Kest. He is struggling so hard since the loss of his hand. I really thought he would just go back to being the Saint of Swords again because he's still the best swordsman in the world, but not anymore because he can't hold his swords without pain. He can't fight, and it's it was so touching when uh, Fakio goes to death for him, basically, and it's like, hey, you're okay. You don't have to be the best swordsman in the entire world. You don't have to do anything, like, but you know you want to. You know you want to do good things for people. Like, if you're not there, things are worse. And you know that. And then they come back and he's like, and he gets a shield and he uses a shield. And he's like, this is amazing. I love having a shield. I can hit people with it and it doesn't hurt at all. And it's like, yeah, because, you know, he did give up his sainthood. Although give it up or just lost it. He didn't really give it up. He did get it taken from him. So I don't know. But Kest was just so touching in his obvious affection for Falcio and his love for Falcio. I don't think... Falcio will ever really maybe there'll be a head coming it'll come to a head in book four but I don't think Falcio sees him that way they just sees him as a brother and that's the way it will be but we gotta talk a little bit about Obladius the priest from the cleric from the very beginning I I hated him from the moment he was on screen he was rude he was condescending he was I'm so much better because I have this and you're just wrong. I was really surprised that Falcio did not kill him. Uh, almost immediately after insulting pretty much everything that Falcio stands for. And then to see him at the end, or near the end, and be like, oh, I'm here to take over. Now he does get his comeuppance a little bit when the blacksmith comes out with his real god and you know turns the table on everybody. But the, no death was too good for Obladius. Really, really did not like him. But with the uh, church... We did get the Inquisitors, another subgroup of protectors. They guard the church's legacy, and it was really easy to think, okay, they're just the Inquisitors. They're going to be stereotypical Inquisitors, and they were in the past. Supposedly they've changed, but like, who knows? Are we going to get another turnaround like Shuran? And we didn't, and I was so glad. Quintus is just a good guy. He wants to do what's right while remaining true to his values and his beliefs, and he is... You know, straightforward with him. He's like, Falcio, you couldn't protect her. We're going to take her in and protect her. And Falcio's always like, no. And it's a good thing he didn't because Quintus, you know, learned, they all learn later on, like, oh, yeah, it is the church that's been doing everything through the bla the blacksmith through the church has been doing all this. So it was a good thing they didn't take care of that. But uh, Quintus becomes a great coat. It was so touching. It was so nice. It was great. And the tailor was in this one a little bit. And I didn't hate her as much uh, as in the first book or the, as in the second book. I feel like her role as the the manipulator, she is really, she should be a behind-the-scenes manipulator. And this, the less page time for her, the more mysterious, the more powerful her character scenes are. Again, 
she should not have been related to the king because that just messes up her character a little bit. But that's fine. Valiana, love Valiana, just so strong. I actually thought that by the end of this book, Aline would abdicate in favor of Valiana and give it to her. And everybody would be like, yeah, Valiana as the realm's protector really has been doing an incredible job and like bringing things up like that's fine. But she doesn't. Aline stays. That was great. But Valiana in the mask. Oh, is the masks were so scary. Like you can't see. You can barely hear. They have a thing to keep your mouth open, so you're force fed this liquid that you know would drive a normal person crazy. But it's got magic, so it tamps it down if you wear it. Just incredible and just oppressive. You, I could feel the oppressiveness of these masks through the pages. Just like how horrifying and scary it would be to have these masks on you so i thought he did a really good job with that and with valiana being diligent through it and getting through it and working with falcio to break free and to become better so now this is a little side note i i really did think that the visions that falcio keeps having whenever he goes unconscious between aline and the king you know his aline and the king were i thought they were actually something more and they kind of were like maybe you know they're not like their actual spirits in the past and they are just his uh reasoning and intuition but i i thought they were going to be more they kind of were kind of aren't but i hope i hope we get a little bit of a resolution between that and can i say it was great to see athalia channel aline and like bring her spirit back so that aline and, and falcio could you know stay the course and like defeat the god and it was amazing like he sees her for how she truly is. I feel like this is a good start to like letting Falcio let go of Aline. That he got a final moment, you know, a final talk with her, even after you know what happened to her. And that it was just such a cool scene. They they fight together. They move forward. It was amazing. I loved all of the great coats that got their new queen's name. That was pretty awesome. Kest the queen's shield. Brasty, the king's, the queen's jest, the queen's prayer, the queen's charity. It was ah, just so good. I, I loved the connection between the kings and the the king's great coats and the queen's great coats, and that. And I love the stories that we got behind the great coats. That this is what happened and inspired me to become a great coat. Like it was this crime, and I will never allow it to happen to anybody else if I can't, you know, under my power as I can, and I will also protect the rest of the laws. It was uh, just a touching and a great scene. So I really liked it. Uh, I'm going to say that's everything I really have. It's going to wrap up my discussion of Saint's Blood by Sebastian de Castell. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. You know, if you have questions, comments, you know, things I missed, things I should have said, uh, things about the next book, you know, please send those to LibromancyPod at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. That always helps. And remember to have valor with the magic of books. <laughs>